0: On Mother's Day Sunday night, I think I spoke about the parent-child relationship. Monday, mother's Day morning, I spoke about mothers in the Bible, examples of biblical mothers. So this morning, we talked a little bit about godly fathers. And tonight, we're going to look at, I thought it was kind of a good follow-up to fathers, was five ways... We disobey God. I got to let you know before I start that I'm going to disappoint you at the beginning. But if you want to fuss or blame me, I'm going to forward the blame onto my sister. Here's why. I asked Jess this afternoon, I said, or this after church this morning. I said, Jess, I said, can you think of any examples when we were growing up where we did something wrong? Well, that was way too vague. Yes, there were many times, I'm sure, when we did something wrong. But I said, what about times when we openly sort of disobeyed mom and dad? We couldn't really think of anything specifically that we did. And if Jess had done it, she would never tell it. So you'll never know it anyway. But the only thing that we could really think of, and Jessica brought this up, was we had a friend over. I think i told this before in class. We had a friend of ours was there, and we were me and him were wrestling upstairs, and Jess was up there too. And this was at our old farmhouse, and it was a big like attic room up at the top. And the house had had two chimneys in it. The chimneys weren't there anymore, but you could still see the formation. Uh, you know, it'd been drywalled around, so there was these two chimneys, as it were, that ran through there. Well, as me and him were wrestling, and Jess and I can't remember who did it. One of our hands went through the wall in that, around that chin. And so we got real nervous real quick. What do we do? Well, the absolute best thing we could have done is told our parents. The absolute worst thing to do was tell your parents. Figure that one out amongst yourself, right? So what we did, some thinking between me and Jess and my buddy John, was we thought, well, we'll get Jess's little baby crib that she put her baby dolls in. Something that, you know, at this time, we're probably 11 or 12. She did not have baby dolls anymore. But she got that, and it set perfectly right there. And this morning, Jessica said, I don't know if mom and dad ever knew that or not. But we kept it. I'd say there's a good chance a hole's probably still in that house right now, if being be. But it was one of those times that we had probably disobeyed, because I would imagine that we should not have been wrestling upstairs, truth be told. And we definitely should not have been punching holes in the wall. And had we punched a hole in the wall, we probably should have went and told our parents uh, in, instead of. But that's an example of a sort of disobeying, piling up on right through there. But for the most part, Justin and I didn't do too many things uh, that were too bad. I don't think. Hopefully, hopefully not. We'll, we'll they can tell you that more than maybe me or Jess could. But tonight we're going to look at five ways that we can disobey God. And what I want you to think about tonight is that. There, this kind of runs the gamut of things that we kind of can do. Okay? And there will be things on here that you will absolutely say, I do not do that at all. But there will be things on here you say, like, oh, I actually maybe do or have done that. Because it hits a lot of different sort of topics. So what we're going to talk about tonight is ways that we disobey God. Let's start first with the first one, probably the most obvious one, and the one that we can all relate to. And that is this idea of doing what is forbidden. We know what it means for something to be forbidden. Forbidden is a straight up no. Anybody who's had kids has probably uttered some kind of sentence that said, Do not do this, right? That's a straight up thing. And it might be when they go off to school, but it might be when you go to work and the kids are at home. Do not do this. We had some things when we were growing up, things that we were not supposed to do. That was a forbidden thing for us. So when we think about doing what is forbidden, I think the first example has to come from almost the very beginning of the Bible. And that is the example of Adam and Eve. If you look up here, this is in Genesis chapter 2. If you're in your Bible, you're only a couple of pages in. But I think that's pretty fitting because anybody who's ever been told by your parents, don't do something, what's the first thing you almost automatically want to do? I want to go straight and do it, right? Do not do this. No, let's go see and do this. They don't know what they're talking about. Let's do it anyway. And so the story of Adam and Eve transgressing the will of God, that's in Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. If you want to flip there, I don't have any scriptures on the screen, but it's something that you'll know of, but we're going to be kind of all over the place this evening. But it says, and the Lord commanded the man saying, okay, of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. There's probably never been a more clear description of what to do and what not to do as those two sentences, right? That is ex- that's exactly as clear as it could ever be made. It says, you every tree out here, eat every one of them. Eat them till they fall over. You can, But you shall not eat of this one. Now, anybody who's ever been a child or have kids knows that that kind of temptation is really hard to pass up, right? If you say, don't do this one thing, what do you want? Kind I don't want to do that one thing, right? That's just sort of human nature. Because if you said... Don't do this, 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 this one. Okay, it feels like that's that one thing. But that is an example of something that they were taught. Now, you can skip over to chapter 3 and verse 6 and you find out how that works out. This would be called a sin of commission, right? C-O-M-M-I-S-S-I-O-N. Committing an act in which God specifically says don't do it. You know, in the Bible, we feel, I feel like there's a whole lot, a lot of people think about the Bible, they think about thou shalt, right? Thou shalt not. We think about that uh, in, the, uh, in, in, the, in the Ten Commandments. In my religion class that i taught over the years at school, we have Ten Commandments, and then we, we take the Ten Commandments and we say, what are some laws that we have on the books today that relate to that? And there's any similarities. So we can find from the Ten Commandments, Four or five that are almost exactly in the law book even today, but we get this idea of thou shalt not. And so, if I'm told that I'm not supposed to do it, and then I do it, then I am committing a—that's a sin of commission, right? I am committing this kind of sin. So, a lot of us today sin the exact same way, right? We do what is. Forbidden, right? We, we know what we're not supposed to do, and we do it anyway. If I were to give you 10 minutes tonight, and I were to tell you, I want you to go through the Bible and find 10 things that you're not supposed to do. How many of you think you could find that? You think you could find some things in there? You can go to the Old Testament and find that. You can go to the New Testament and find the same thing. There may be some overlap. There may be some different things that are in there as well. But one of the ways that we disobey God is doing what is forbidden. Now, for some of us, we might say, well, that's not a problem. In fact, I would say for my sister, that was one of the things growing up. If Jess was told not to do it, she was never going to do it. Now, I might lean a little bit toward doing it. But Jess was a by-the-book kind of character. And some of you may be the same way. If it says that I can't do this, I'm not going to do it. Louie Hammonds once said that he had never driven over the speed limit. That's the craziest thing in the world. I drive over the speed limit coming out of the driveway. Like, that's my whole goal. i want to go as fast as I can. But there are people... That are like that. Right? That, that's, that, is his, that was his way of thinking. You may know that story about Louis. or you may know something similar about it as well. But doing something that's forbidden is one way that we can disobey God. Now, second, refusing to do what God has commanded. This is a little bit different, right? This is the opposite of thou shalt not. This is thou shall," but then the people refusing not to do it uh, themselves. In Luke chapter 7, verses 29 and 30, if you want to turn over uh, to that right now, you can. We read, "...and when all the people heard him talking about Jesus, even the tax collectors justified God, having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the will of God for themselves... Not having been baptized by him, so they rejected the counsel of God in respect to the baptism of John. But in the next in our in the reading there uh, that that Pat did a moment ago, Matthew chapter twenty one, being from heaven, we're told that John's baptism was to be obeyed. Right? Jesus responds to that because Pat read that a moment ago. The question that the Pharisees asked. And then they, it said, and what, what Pat read there, it said that they immediately realized, well, if we answer it one way, they're going to say this. If we answer it a different way, they're going to say that. But they disobeyed God by failing to do what God had commanded them to do. Now, the first one is a sin of commission. The second one is a sin of omission. Okay, We know what it means to omit something. You leave something out. Sometimes we omit things on accident. Have you ever had five things that you need to do during the course, i got to do this this afternoon and then you get home and you're like, oh shoot I was supposed to go to the bank and I forgot. Well I'll go tomorrow. Well you made a mistake you've forgotten something. Have you ever omitted something on purpose? I would rather just not do this today. Okay? So we can relate to this. We understand what omission is. Well that happens with things in the Bible as well. Things that are asked of us, things that are required of us that we fail, maybe by choice to do, is a sin of omission. In James chapter 4, verse 17, we read, Therefore to him who knows to do good and what? Does not. What's well, the same that I of that? To him that is sin. Now I'm saying if you forget to go to the bank, that's not a sin. That's you've made your list of things to do. But if there are things that are in the Bible <clears throat> that you are omitting, that we are choosing not to do, that's a sin just equivalent to that what we talked about a minute ago by choosing to do something that is forbidden. Omission is the same thing as we see there at the bottom uh, of the screen. A Christian disobeys God by failing to do the good works that he was created in Christ to do. James said, James talked about that, right? That's our task. We're supposed to do things, and when we don't do it, we're doing wrong. So by refusing to do what God has commanded. All right, so that's two. You say, okay, well, that's all we've got, right? I either I'm supposed to do something and I don't. Or I'm told not to do something I do. That's two. That's it. We're done. But there's more. The third. Adding to the word of God. Amen. Adding to the word of God. Bible says that if one adds to the word, plagues written in the word, will be written to him. You say, okay, well, show me where that is. If you turn in your Bible to Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 2. Okay, so it's Deuteronomy. It's Genesis, Exodus. Leviticus, Numbers, so it's the fifth book, right? So we're still early. We, Old Testament or New Testament? That's old, right? So in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter four, and verse two, we read, you shall not add to the word which I command you, nor take from it that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. All right, sounds good. That's from the Old Testament. Old Testament is telling me that I should not add to the word. But then we talk all the time about when Jesus died. On the cross, the old law was hung on the cross with it. Okay, so that makes sense. So I need to see a New Testament version of that verse. Does it exist? Well, if you're in Deuteronomy, flip your Bible all the way over to the very end. Let's go to Revelation chapter 22 and verse 18. Revelation chapter 22 and verse 18. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues. ...that are written in this book. Hmm. So it's almost a perfect repeat of the sentence in Deuteronomy... ...that we see again in Revelation. We're not supposed to add to the word in the Old Testament. We're not supposed to add to the word in the New Testament. Well, how many Testaments do we have? Two, right? We've got two Testaments. And which one says that we're supposed to add to the word of God? Neither one of them. So if you say, I'm only interested in the Old Testament. Well, you still can't add to it. If you say, I'm only interested in the New Testament you still can't add to it either. Adding to the word of God would be a sin of let's call it presumption. You know what it means to presume something, right? Well, I think that's what he means. We presume a lot, right? Part of the reason we presume is we don't always have all the information, right? We hear one thing or we hear one small thing and we think, oh, I know what he means. I know that. I talked to him. He, I, I know what he means. That's, that He meant that or maybe he didn't. Mean that. But a sin of presumption. The Bible is not exactly quiet on this. Let's go to Numbers chapter 15. You're flipping back and forth there in your Bible. Numbers chapter 15 and verse 30. But the person who does anything presumptuously, whether he is native born or a stranger, that one brings reproach on the Lord, and he shall be cut off from among his presuming something implies that we maybe know or think we know more than what we do we struggle with that right because all of us know that God is the highest ranked being right but most of us would like to be 1A right because I know and we talked about this on Wednesday nights I know just as much if not more than anything about everybody and everything right if they just asked me, we'd fix all the world's problems. we fall into that, right? But what happens when we do that is we presume to have knowledge that we perhaps don't. And when we act without that authority, that divine authority from God, we presume to know God's will. And that becomes a problem. Because we do not know the will of God other than what? From the scripture, right? From what we read there in the scripture. Now, there are some of you that have maybe been married for a hundred years, and you already know what your wife or your husband's going to say before they finish the sentence, right? But why do we know that? Because you're with that person every day. But that's not the relationship that we have with God. We can't presume to know anything about that. We can only speak where the Bible speaks. Second John chapter, second John verse nine. Says, whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. So it seems like our best plan there is to stay within the Word of God. Amen. Let's go to the third one. What if we take from, if you were listening or if you were reading in Deuteronomy chapter two, or 4 and verse 2, you saw that they mentioned adding to and taking from. Now they say the same thing in Revelation, but I didn't read verse 18, or excuse me, verse 19. You'll see it here in just a second. But taking from the Lord God is a sin the same as adding to. So if we add to, this is what we want it to say. This is what I feel like God would have said. I'm putting a little something extra there. But sometimes there are things that we read and like, oh, I don't really want to read that. Any of you ever watched a television show or a movie? And you really like the character in this show. And after several episodes or after an hour in the movie, it's like, I really like this person. And then they do something, and you're like, well, they shouldn't have done that. You ever had that experience before? You know, let's take that out of it. There. there was a the TV show that was on a few years back called The Office. <clears throat> and Mary and I watched every episode through about six or seven seasons. And then a couple of people left, and they changed it, and we didn't watch it anymore. So whenever you ask me about the office, I can only speak to certain episodes. Some people treat the Bible the same way, right? We talked about that when we talked about the book of James. Sometimes people don't want the book of James in the Bible. Why? Because it teaches some things that maybe they don't really like hearing. We like hearing about this idea of I need to be saved, but I don't necessarily like the idea of the works that goes along with it. So some people say, why well, don't want to have that? We can do that with the Bible as well if we're not careful. We're not necessarily taking from, we're not pulling pages out, but we might page one, page two, page 10. We'll skip a few pages and leave it right there. Revelation chapter 22 and verse 19, as you see right there, if anyone takes away, not adds to, that was a minute ago, but takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall do what? What's it say there? Shall take away his part from the book of life. From the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. You know what an eraser is, right? You ever used an eraser? Mark some things out? Got a few things written right there. What's a pretty big eraser? Because when you're erasing things from the Bible, God's erasing you. And that's a very difficult thing for you to consider. Taking from the word of God, number four. Fifth one, last one. Substituting for what God has <laughs> commanded. You might do that uh, grocery pickup at uh, Walmart or Kroger or anything like that. You put it into your phone, you say, I want this. I'm like, okay, first of all, I'm speaking out of turn here. I'm talking, I'm repeating things that Mary has said. I don't know anything about any of this. But you put it in there and you say, I want this, and I want this, and I want this, and I want this. And when they come to your car, when you say, I'm here, by the way, it's, <laughs> we live in a really nice time, isn't it? But we just drive up to the door and they bring the stuff out. But when they come out there, they say, Are you okay with your substitutions? What does that mean? Well, what it means is, is that you've asked for something, and they didn't have it at Walmart, but they got something similar, and they said, we'll give you this instead. And you hit on your phone or on the computer or whatever, and you say, yes, I want that, or no, I don't want that. Boy, it sound like I know what I'm talking about. Right? I, I, I can't. I'm glad Mary's not here to, to, to say it one way or the other. But we substitute something because we say, okay, well, that's not exactly what I wanted, but that's pretty close. And so since it's pretty close, we'll just ride with that a little bit. There's some biblical examples of substitution as well. Substitution. First of all, what about Cain and Abel? The story is in, uh, in the Old Testament. that you can see in Hebrews chapter 11, we read that by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. These are brothers, right? <clears throat> Through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he, being dead, still speaks. The story, though, Cain substituted a different sacrifice than what God had commanded. He put in, he sacrificed in a way that was not acceptable. He substituted as it were. Now, at Walmart, it doesn't necessarily matter. I'm okay with that. It probably doesn't matter in the long term. But if we're not careful, we can do what happens with Cain and Abel here, and we can substitute wrongfully. Second one up there, story that you may be familiar with. Turn to Leviticus chapter 10, verses 1, 2, and 3. This is a story of Nadab and Abihu. I'm really happy that I pronounced that right because that's one of those things that I feel like I always want to say Nahab. I get Nadab and Rahab, and I get them mixed up, and I say the wrong thing. But Nadab and Abihu, here's how I know it. When I was typing it on the screen, you'd have a red line under it. That means you spelled it wrong. I thought I didn't spell it wrong. I had written Nadab. So then I erased it and I wrote Nabab, which is even worse. So eventually it's up there. I think it's correct, but I may be wrong. Leviticus chapter 10, verses 1, 2, and 3. You follow along with me. Then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took a censer and put fire in it, put incense on it, and offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded of them. So they're offering this fire, but they're not offering the fire that they had been commanded of. And these are not just some randoms. These are people that are, seeing who was their father? It said it was Aaron, right? Aaron's Moses' brother. If we're thinking about like a hierarchy of people in the Bible, these boys are pretty high, aren't they? So the fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, both of them they'd have to buy him. And they died before the Lord. And Moses said to Aaron, this is their father. Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord's folks say. By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. And before all the people, I must be glorified. And so Aaron held his peace. Aaron, who realized that these are his two sons that have done wrong. But Moses tells him that they did done wrong and we see Aaron sort of held his peace right there. They substitute. Were they offering fire? That was fine, but they offered the wrong thing. And so they and have to buy her, we're gone. I don't know necessarily that if we substitute something today, we're going to be immediately doused in fire the way we see it right there. But the example there clearly shows that a mistake of substitution is a, make, a mistake that will lead to punishment. In religion... In the church, we have to learn to accept no substitutes. You ever seen that before? Accept no substitutes. That was a, sometimes advertisements would use something like that. Accept no substitutes. If they're going to offer you at Walmart one kind of bread over the other, you might say that's fine. If they might say, we're going to give you this brand of milk instead of that brand of milk, we might say that that's fine. But the Bible seems to imply here that if we are worshiping God, do we substitute anything in? The answer there should be no. God's not going to accept a substitute for obedience. Because think about what that is. Substitution there says what we talked about at the beginning. This works, but I think I can make it work just the same this way. Substitute for what God commands doesn't work. So let's go home with this. A Christian must do what? Well, first of all, avoid what God forbid. That was our first one, right? If God says don't do it, don't do it. Okay? Number two. Christian must do what God is commanded. If God says do it, do it. Right? All right. Third, we don't need to add to. We don't need to stuff some things into the Bible that's not there. But also, we don't need to pull out pages and things that are not there. So if God says don't add to Deuteronomy, don't take away from Revelation, we... I mean, then. Fifth, we need to avoid substituting in what God has commanded. It is, the last sentence on there, our obedience to God's truth that will save us, right? It's obedience to the truth of God that will save us. And so I hope that we've looked tonight at five different ways that we can disobey God. Because it's a little deeper than just saying thou shalt or thou shalt not. Because it gets a little bit more tougher a little bit bigger than that because most of us would say I don't do the first two or I don't do the second three or whatever it might be but sometimes we fall into these things and not necessarily mean to. We have to guard against it. That's why we're here again. We protect each other. We work with each other. We make sure that we don't fall into whatever these traps might be. Hopefully you've had a good Father's Day. Hopefully you have enjoyed your time Either with a father if they're still around or reminiscing about your father from there in the past. But we have one superior father, the Heavenly Father. And it's our responsibility to follow the requirements of the Heavenly Father, or otherwise, there's no opportunity for us to be with the Heavenly Father when this life is over. It takes obedience to the Word of God in order for that to take place. If there's any way that we can help you, anything that we can do to get you. On that right track or whatever it might be, we invite you to come while we stand and sing. All things are ready, come to the feast.